Welcome to Lithium Ion Rocks, Season 1, Episode 14, Ganfeng's Big Adventure, Sonora, Mexico, Bacanora, Tequila, Tuesday, May 28th, and we are privileged here to have Peter Secker, the CEO of Bacanora, following uh, some very substantial news with Ganfeng Lithium. Upwards of about $30 million investment at parent level and project level to advance this advanced clay project uh, into production potentially um, by 2021. Peter uh, is just celebrating actually his four year anniversary as the CEO of Bacanora. So, w- welcome, Peter, to Lithium Ion Rocks. Morning, Howard. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. You're in London. Uh, Rodney, as well, is in London, uh, about to celebrate his 50th uh, birthday with some friends in Wales next week. I guess just some of your background, Peter, if I remember, you were involved in Sinogold. That was one overlap we had. I had done some work um, you know, with Jake Klein, you know, now of Evolution, you know, back in the day, and um, actually... Jay Shemalaskis, uh, the, the founder of Western Lithium, originally uh, had also had a previous you know, Chinese gold success. So, um, and I know you were involved in Canada Lithium uh, before you sold it, or part of the team that sold it to RB Energy. Uh, so, just give us and our listeners uh, some sense of your your background as a, as a project developer uh, in lithium and outside of lithium. Sure. Yes. So I'm a mining engineer. Um, and I've been in the industry almost 40 years, uh, originally in the Australian iron ore industry with, with Hammersley Iron Rio Tinto, <clears throat> and then South African deep level gold on the, the gold mines in Carltonville. Uh, worked in the mineral sands industry in West Australia <clears throat> on a Minfort Kermagee joint venture, Thai West. And then, as you say, uh, went to China with Sino and, and spent 15 years in China building a number of projects. Uh, <clears throat> after that was completed, I went to Canada in, I think it was 2009, and we did the uh, the Quebec Lithium project. And then, as you just mentioned, I've been with uh, Bacanora now for, for just on four years. So yes, in the last, <clears throat> in the last four years, I've done six greenfield projects and worked in a number of countries. It's been... Uh, <clears throat> a very interesting career and a very enjoyable career. And you like to build projects. I know, um, obviously, shareholder uh, returns and, and value is is always uh, critically important. But um, from the first time I met you, uh, this was a a different project that you you were convinced um, you know could work. And uh, through pilot plant and capital raising, you know, it, it's been impressive uh, what you've achieved to date, but we are all suffering from uh, capital markets, which are highly volatile and are open and closed for various periods of time. And there's a lot of, um, you know, information and misinformation uh, that's pervasive that that gets in the way of uh, progressing projects exactly on time. Uh, But uh, you've done better than most in terms of financing the project. You've raised substantial amounts of money. And uh, now you have, I think, everybody who understands this industry, understands Ganfeng as a processor, is the most experienced in in processing all sorts of uh, activity. Uh, They have heavily promoted 
that uh, their their interest or potential assistance in uh, in Nevada. Okay, Peter. So we've known each other a a while. I think nearly four years. We did some work for you in 2015, 2016 timeframe. And I remember when we were working. I was working for Western Lithium and what is now called the Thacker Pass asset. You were very quickly advancing uh, back in Nora, had put in a pilot plant in northern Mexico, Sonora, which is a very mining-friendly uh, jurisdiction, and uh, you know proved that this uh, the, 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 that clay can produce uh, high-quality lithium chemicals, and that was continuously reflected by uh, you had built an extremely strong share register with both institutional investors and strategics just to list them. I think BlackRock came on the register, you know, with a $14 million capital raise in November 2015. I don't remember the order of all of the others, but uh, M&G in London, Capital International, uh, Fidelity even picked up a small stake. Your chairman, Mark Honan, uh, someone who I have uh, done some work with and very successfully sold uranium assets uh, post-Fukushima. Uh, and then you brought in Hanwa, a major Japanese trader, and uh, Canaccord were your bankers. I think City is now your banker as well, and they're also bankers to uh, Ganfeng, uh, incidentally. So you, you financed this project over the last number of years, um, and I remember very much uh, January, February of 2018, not 2019, uh, I see a note here from Canaccord, January 2018, that they're raising the target price back in order development upside potential. And that coincided very soon after that with uh, the Morgan Stanley note and, and, and all of the fear-mongering about you know, supply coming from Chile. And uh, you were like, well, Namaska got their funding done, but you were a casualty. You were meant to be fully funded sometime middle of last year, and the full funding uh, ended up not happening, and uh, the rest of the year kind of went sideways and down. But uh, you're, you continue to progress your project. I forgot to mention RK Mind Finance has also provided you with both debt and a streaming arrangement, and you've already drawn down $25 million from that. So since 2017, I've considered this project to be kind of ready to be funded. Uh, and it's kind of for whole capital markets reasons, had some you know complication in that. But here you have Ganfeng, uh, the, the most successful uh, processor of lithium chemicals, and have announced a, a letter of intent. Uh, and, and why don't you describe that transaction and, and how this uh, seems to be um, uh, you know, the catalyst to your concluding the full funding and, and finally bringing in the first ever, you know, clay project to production. So as you say, over the last few years, we <clears throat> have, have focused more on the project than on the financing. Uh, it was important to us to demonstrate that <clears throat> we could produce a battery-grade product out of Sonora and out of this mineralization. So yes, we have spent a lot of time and a lot of money producing bulk samples and sending them to Asian customers and Asian end users. <clears throat> and obviously, during that period, uh, we funded the development of the company through corporate investments. And you mentioned the, the big uh, investment houses that have put money into Bacanora. 
So then, obviously, a, uh, a great validation was an equity replacement to Hanwha uh, and an offtake with Hanwha. And they're drawing down of the first part of the 150 million of, of debt from Redkite. <clears throat> and all the way through, everybody has said um, the best way to fund a project is to bring in an, an industry player. And so now, after spending uh, a lot of time working with Ganfeng and and their technical group, uh, we have this option to bring in Ganfeng as a 29.9% shareholder and also to sell part of the, the project level uh, investment, 22.5%. <clears throat> so we believe with our existing shareholder base, uh, half of an offtake going into Japan, the other half of the offtake going into China with Ganfeng, and an industry play who's going to help us both on the engineering side and the commissioning side. Uh, this is a, a big step forward in, in bringing Sonora into production. And Peter, um, what do you, how do you feel about the uh, the timeline for development uh, of Sonora now that, that Ganfen's on board? Well, we've done a lot of engineering ourselves. We've done a lot of engineering with the third-party vendors. What Ganfeng believe is that they have access to uh, vendors in China that, that can do two things. One is to reduce the, the capital cost of equipment and also to reduce the uh, delivery time. So what the plan is that uh, post the end of June, uh, they will send an engineering team to Sonora. <clears throat> we'll look at the flow sheets. We'll talk to their vendors. And, and see if we can reduce the, the capex for the larger parts of the plant and also reduce delivery time. So they, they believe that a, a three to four month review of the process and the project uh, will result in a reduced capital cost and a reduced delivery time. So currently we're looking at uh, a two year timetable for the, the stages of the plant through earthworks, civils, <clears throat> mechanical, electrical, uh, and final construction. So they believe that uh, spending three months now, they can maintain that timetable, so still two years, uh, but reduce the capital cost and uh, and still deliver first product before the end of 2021. Based on the assumption that all goes well and that there is a strong market for uh, grade carbonate at the time. Do you think there's uh, any chance that Ganfin and yourselves would consider an acceleration to stage two? Most definitely. I mean, it, as you say, it will depend on the market at the time and it will depend on the lithium suite. I mean, the nice thing about the protein can produce carbonate, it can produce hydroxide, it can produce a suite of lithium products. So yes, let's to production, let's see where the market is. And it's potentially, we, we would like to accelerate stage two. And uh, in terms of the uh, deal outline, it suggested that uh, Ganfin, assuming both parties agree, would need to uh, pay the Bacchanora price at the time to increase its stake, its project stake to 50%. Does that mean that, um, that uh, Zinwald is assumed at zero value? Uh, we've already announced that we're going to spin Zimwald out and, and uh, put it as a, as a separate listed vehicle. So 
Yes, the fo- the focus initially very much <clears throat> is uh, on stage one Sunwar and then stage two. Sunwar will have a life of its own and uh, will have its own development strategy. Aside from assisting in the initial discussions and earthworks, etc., what will Ganfen's involvement be at the asset level? Well, they're going to help us all, all through the uh, design construct. Obviously, they, they have a team of people who've built lithium projects before, so they're going to assist us on the engineering, they're going to assist us through the construction, and then they're going to help us during the commissioning stages of the plant. So they, they will bring in a commissioning team uh, and help us start the plant up and produce first product and then ramp up to full production. Uh, in terms of um, uh, you know, the scale and uh, size of the, of the Envisage project, will, they, will you look to get some kind of a guarantee on the kiln? I mean, whichever vendor that we use, and it doesn't matter whether it comes out of Mexico or <clears throat> North America or Asia, we would look for process guarantees for all the major equipment. That's correct. Your project cost is $420 million. How much has been spent to date? And is that included in that 420? Of the 420, we've probably already spent seven to eight million on EPC and other engineering. So that's all, the, the, all of the prior investment, uh, all the capital raises from BlackRock and capital, et cetera, are not included in that 420 number? That's correct. That, that went into the pilot plant and the pre-feasibility and the feasibility and the early engineering. Okay. So for all intents and purposes, $420 million, does that include some working capital as well, or is that just project cost? That's just project cost. Okay. So all of these projects need some additional working capital. But uh, so say 420 and you have a $150 million financing facility from Red Kite, which kind of leaves you $270 million to fund, excluding that working capital. And Ganfeng money coming in now would be approximately $30 million, which would leave. Correct. That, yeah. So their investment at both the, uh, the, the parent company equity level and the project level is around $30 million. Okay, so that would leave two hundred and forty million of equity to fund, um, but Ganfeng with a thirty percent shareholding at parent level and a twenty-two and a half percent minimum at project level would be providing a lot of that remaining two hundred and forty million. I think it, it's impossible to calculate precisely how much Ganfeng would commit because uh, it's not clear when and if they would increase their stake to 50%, and also, um, uh, you know, we don't know what the share price ultimately is when you fully fund, but but at a bare minimum, I think you calculated, Rodney, that with the 30% at parent level and 22.5%, uh, Ganfeng would be committing a minimum of $150 million. Is that, is that right? That was for the, for the equity and the asset level, the... Um their percentage of capex at the asset level, and then them following their equity rights at the holdco level. Okay. So, assuming Ganfeng does not uh, go forward with fifty percent, and I don't know if that's, would you think that that is a? What's your sense, Peter? Um, they, they started at at you know with lack, um, you know, and they ended up going to fifty percent. Um, do you think they're happy with twenty two and a half percent of project and thirty at parent, or or do you think they would likely 
want to be 50-50 at project level? Well, I think their long-term view is to be at 50%. I, I don't know what their timetable for that is, but in, in terms of the financing of the project, uh, we'll just look at them as being a 22.5% project level shareholder and a a 29.9% equity level shareholder. Okay, so that leaves, in your mind, if, you, if that's your assumption, what equity gap is there that you need to fill? And uh, your other shareholders like Hanwha and the, the Omanis, who are not yet a shareholder but have committed to the project, as well as M&G, I guess, how do you go about, um, what's the total quantum, your assumption, and, and how do you piece it together in, in your mind? Well, if you take Rodney's number of 150 and take that away from um, what we've already financed, then you're looking at just over $100 million. <clears throat> and as you say, we've had a number of discussions with a number of potential investors. One of that $100 million that we think between existing shareholders and, and new holders, that's uh, very easy to, uh, to complete. Okay. And the timeline for Ganfeng moving from this LOI to definitive? I mean, do you think that that's in doubt? I mean, there are some people who are suggesting... Um, you know, one, this may not happen, or two, if it does happen, it, it, it's just kind of like optioning, um, you know, an investment, and, and maybe they don't proceed as, as quickly as, as you anticipate. But what, what's your view on how this plays out over the next few months? Uh, well, our discussions with Ganfeng, and, and the, uh, the agreement is that they will complete the investment by the end of June. <clears throat> I think it's the 28th of June. Then they'll spend three to four months reviewing engineering. And then we'll look to start develop, developing the project. So, yes, your two milestones are end of June and then end of September, early October. And then we would like to be moving forward after that. So the full financing would be after this three to four months of engineering done? Yeah. So the, the full financing will, will be done at a, a time that's best for us. So, yes, between... Uh, now and the start of construction. Okay. And uh, could you describe this uh, SGRF, um, you know, and Hanwha in a bit more detail, uh, the Sovereign Wealth Fund of Oman and your offtake partner, Hanwha, and what their commitments um, have been so far and, and what they've you've publicly disclosed uh, might happen in the future? Uh, so Hanwha obviously is a 10% shareholder and uh, and was taken in the project and they have committed to fund uh, 25 million dollars of the project finance our discussions with SDRF the Amoni Sovereign Wealth Fund was that they would fund 65 million dollars uh, we're still in discussions with SDRF and those discussions are ongoing um, so yes between the two of them there, there was a uh, a funding capacity of up to $90 million. Okay, great. Uh, if we could just go back to Ganfeng a little bit. This caught me a little bit by surprise. Um, we watch Ganfeng very closely. We watched most of the companies very closely. But uh, when I think of Ganfeng as a hard rock converter of Australian you know, product, uh, and now they've announced a very significant kind of commitment to Brine in Argentina, uh, and I think they said in their annual report they wanted 200 million, you know, tons, half of which is hard rock, half of which is brine. Uh, they didn't say anything about clay. Uh, what do you? Um, 
you know, one would think with their hard rock expertise, why wouldn't they, you know, come into Namaska or why wouldn't they buy some of the, you know, distressed assets in or, or you know, deeply discounted assets in Australia? Uh, I mean, what, what do you think attracted them to, uh, you know, to, to, to get themselves involved in something that still, you know, again, is unconventional, still hasn't been proven, you know, before in, in a, a jurisdiction there? It's a good jurisdiction, but they're they're not in Mexico, et cetera. If you could help us, you know, in your perception, their thinking process. I mean, they're, they're value investors the same as any other lithium investor. And what they were looking for was uh, a project that was near to development. And we'd finished the feasibility and we'd finished most of the engineering, <clears throat> all of our permits in place, and we're ready to go. Uh, and obviously, we'd, <clears throat> we'd been through the whole debt process with Red Kite, so there had been a significant amount of due diligence from the, the debt provider. When you look at where we fit on the operating cost curve, um, just north of $4,000 a ton, so that puts us at the lower end of the curve and obviously significantly lower than the hard rock assets in Australia. A long-life project, I mean, there's almost 9 million tonnes of contained lithium carbonate in the ground, <clears throat> so I call that a 250, 300-year resource, and then scalable. I mean, it's, it's a nice open-pit project, uh, and we've looked at 17,500 tonnes a year. We've looked at 35,000 tonnes of lithium carbonate a year. We've looked at 50,000 tonnes. So when you look at the low operating cost profile, you look at the life of the project, uh, and you look at the scalability, I think it fit very well into their uh, growth plans to getting to 200,000 tons in, in the next few years. That makes sense. I looked at the Ganfeng press release, and one of the things that stood out from that was, uh, um, actually, I wrote in November um, of 2017 a, a note called uh, P.S. I like soft rock, right? P.S. for, for Peter Secker and also for Paul Simon. And one of the things highlighted in that is, uh, you know, it's not quite brine, um, so it doesn't take as long, but it's not quite hard rock. It's softer and, and therefore it is cheaper to process. And, and those two concepts were, were highlighted in, the, in that Ganfeng press release. So it does make sense. I mean, they are a distressed buyer generally, but this is a long-lived asset. If you look at uh, M&A in the sector, whether it be West Farmers and Kidman, and Albemarle in Wajina, those were very long-lived, you know, but traditional mines, but one could argue potentially, you know, second or even third quartile cost because it's hard rock, it's Australia, et cetera. So the dream of, uh, you know, hard rock scalability, the long-lived, low cost, you know, this makes sense. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. Why wouldn't, you know, but they have this partnership with Lithium Americas, they're very significantly involved in there. You know, some have called this the, the, the Star Alliance. One would think, I mean, the presumption was that, you know, Ganfang would somehow solve, you know, Lithium Nevada or Thacker Pass. Um, I think partnering with you validates clay, but at the same time, uh, you know, I'm, I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on, I guess, timing? Of projects, um, you know, between those two, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the timetable for that capacity is. What I know is that uh, we have a two-year development timetable. 
and we can be in production by the third or fourth quarter of 2021. So I, I'm assuming Genfeng um, are looking at, at Sonora as being the next of their development projects. Um, and you look at the, the access that we have in Sonora. <clears throat> I mean, we, we have strong support from the Sonora government. We're fully permitted. And, and that's, that's a big deal these days. The permitting process is, is not as easy as it used to be. And then we have access to a port. I mean, we're four hours from uh, a bulk uh, export container port uh, with direct shipping to, to China. So infrastructure, timing, lower freighting costs, it all, all fits with their development requirements. gas consideration if i'm looking at this uh canaccord note the 150 million dollars um from rk mine finance has you know two or three tranches and, and the third tranche um according to this note was contingent on uh you know signing contracts for gas supply you know and commitments on full funding but you should describe the, the gas situation and um if i recall correctly there was also some grupo mexico relationship or possibility i mean we, we energy for us is all uh, gas based obviously access to um <clears throat> gas out of texas which at the moment is the cheapest gas in the world is is very important so we have a number of proposals from a number of uh, international suppliers to <clears throat> to bring in gas to the project uh and and part of that gas is used directly in the kiln uh, to, to roast the sulfate, and then a, a, a gas turbine facility that produces energy on site for the rest of the plant. <clears throat> so yes, we uh, we will go into the project having signed agreements with energy suppliers to give us long-term uh, contracts for the supply of, of both gas and energy to the project. Lithium Universe, it's an interesting microcosm and a window into all sorts of, you know, China and non-China, you know, and Belt and Road countries, et cetera, but also between the U.S. and Mexico when um, Trump got elected. And I remember you were telling me your your, your gas consideration um, was thrown a little bit uh, for a loop at that time. I guess if you could just comment, I mean, some people suggest it may be hard for Ganfeng to kind of get involved in anything in, you know, in the United States. Do you have any views on... I guess Mexico, U.S., China, U.S., and and how that may or may not play into developments, you know, projects in the lithium space. Um, interesting question. So obviously, North America, Mexico have very strong economic and financial ties, um, and, and NAFTA is now progressing into a a new trade agreement. So those those ties will maintain. And strengthen over the, the next decade. Um, Mexico, China, uh, there are a number of Chinese investments in Mexico. <clears throat> Interestingly enough, uh, there are no Chinese investments in Sonora State. This will be the first one. So the Sonora government is very supportive of a Chinese investment into the, uh, a, the mining industry and, and, and secondly, the, the lithium industry in Sonora. So, yes, I think you'll see strengthening ties between Sonora and China. 
and you'll see a, a strengthening and a maintaining of the ties between Mexico and uh, and the U.S. And, but as far as this project is concerned, another element is that uh, the, the NAFTA or the new NAFTA uh, autos are a very significant component of that. So if you're thinking of Canada, Mexico, the United States as a North American auto market uh, that over time will become increasingly electrified, uh, you know, theoretically you could be a source for the North American supply, but that's not the intention in the short term as I understand it. This is largely going to... Uh, be an Asia-focused um, offtake. Yes, very much so. Uh, and, and all our, our customer base so far has uh, has focused on the end. Not to say that the US won't, won't happen down the track. I mean, it's very much a, an Asian story from uh, from Sonora. Right. Okay, so that's great. Sonora, I know from we, we've financed some gold projects there. It's a very mining friendly, strong, you know, jurisdiction. I mean, relative to kind of Argentina and Chile, Bolivia, Brazil, you know, I, I would rank uh, Mexico, uh, Sonora in particular, as relatively, you know, high within that sphere relative to some of the other riskier jurisdictions. Yeah, it, it, it's been a good state for us to work in. Been very supportive. Uh, obviously, a, a big mining province. <clears throat> There's a number of uh, gold and silver projects, big copper mines, uh, and good infrastructure be- between gas supplies, road, rail, and port facilities. It's a, it's a very accessible uh, infrastructure and, and easy to get materials in and out. Well, that's great. The last thing I'll say is that in, in my recent writings, and, and Rodney and I have kind of discussed this, that uh, more projects must get financed in the lithium world. And if you can meet a you know 20,000 ton, 20 year mine life, you know, 500 million capex, somewhere four, five, six thousand dollars on the cost curve in a reasonable jurisdiction, that project should get funded and into production. And, and that is very much, um, you know, where you sit. So, you know, th- this makes sense. And Canfang, hats off to them. Again, you know, very stealthily uh, coming in as a, 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 you know, late stage uh, um, project, validated with their um, money and their, and, and their brand and credibility on the processing side. And, um, you know, build value, you know, for their shareholders as well as for Bacanora shareholders. So good luck in finalizing this at the end of June and uh, in advancing the, I guess, the feasibility or the contracting work and, and getting this, you know, funded and hopefully into construction before the end of the year. Great. Thank you, Howard. Thank you, Rodney. Uh, Great. To be continued. Take care. Okay. Cheers. Take care. Bye-bye. Before moving on to our standard disclaimer, a few advertisements as the lithium world gears up to go to Santiago in the Fast Markets 11th Annual Lithium Supply Conference. I'll be speaking on a workshop, an hour workshop with John Hikeway and Phil Clegg of Orion Mine Finance to talk about project financing a lithium company. 
I've prepared a presentation that uh, augments the material girl like a virgin lithium-ion bull I uh, published a few weeks ago. Rodney will be at the conference as well and moderating a panel on European lithium opportunities, Infinity Lithium and Caliber. We got some new things uh, this year. Just got some new business cards with uh, lithium-ion rocks. Look forward to handing out a bunch of those at the conference. As it's chilly, SQM is in full force, as is Tangxi Lithium. The number of representatives from Tangxi is enormous, but almost none from Ganfeng, nor Pakanora. Among developers, uh, Lithium Power, uh, with their Maracunga Chile project, uh, management is there and in, in full force. We're going to be having them on a podcast uh, from there. And I think that's it. Uh, you've gotten a lot of me on this podcast. It uh, turns out that um, Rodney got a bit sick and his um, voice was a bit shot. So wishing him a speedy recovery before he flies from Wales to Santiago this Saturday. And finally, in another great artist steal moment, Lithium Ion Rocks is coming to Santiago with a giveaway for all our podcast guests and other special friends. Limited edition Lithium Ion Rocks concert t-shirts. The front, the beautiful bull with the electric guitar. And on the back... Every one of the 15 episodes that will be recorded and published by the time of the conference. This episode is number 14. So visit Twitter. Visit me on Twitter if you want to see what that looks like, because we'll be advertising that shortly. But uh, also, we're going to have a little bit of a contest, because after this podcast, we're going to have a three-part podcast with an extremely important and special lithium player. The first one who guesses it right on Twitter, it will be published Friday morning. This is being published Wednesday morning. So between Wednesday morning and listening to this podcast and Friday, please tweet your guesses at Lithium Ion Bull on who this will be. And the first person to guess correctly will get a free lithium-ion rock t-shirt. See you in Santiago. In lithium-ion rocks, lithium-ion bull, and through our respective LinkedIn and Twitter posts, Rodney and I may share with our audience some rationale for a stock for which we have conviction, to own or not to own. If you agree or disagree with and act on or against the rationale of anything said or written in this or any other lithium-ion rocks or lithium-ion bull, that's your free choice. But to be clear, what you are listening to or reading is not investment advice and may not be unbiased. It should not be construed as an investment recommendation to buy or sell any security. Rodney and I are not registered investment advisors nor broker-dealers. Please visit libull.com for further disclaimers. <laughs>